Yeah, as many of you know, Christmas is coming, and there's a reason for that, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute with the missing piece. Uh, We're going through this. What's funny is we've got this whole setup here of these missing pieces, and it's great. And I guess last week, one of them fell in the middle of the sermon. (laughs) It's like, I didn't even know it. I guess sometimes I get so focused, I, I, I didn't even see it. But what a perfect illustration, because you can be at church, and you're so focused, you don't even know that a piece has fallen. Until you step on it later or find it, you know. And the, the crazy thing is, um, we came to church, uh, I was showing my parents uh, the place here yesterday, and there was like 25 of these that had fallen off. <laughs> and uh, I, I know the guys probably don't want me to tell you this, but we were here early in the morning sticking them all back on, you know, because it's, it's hard work. And, and, and you know, I, many of us, we get tired, don't we? We get tired just keeping the pieces up, keeping the, trying to find and, and put it all complete and everything. And... You know, Advent is a time where, where God is, is really just telling us to wait and to pause and say, look, I've got something for you. I know you've got missing pieces. I know the world is broken. And, and today we're really going to see that in the idea of, of love. But these missing pieces, as we, as we looked at last week with, with um, hope, we saw the exaltation of Christ and how we can have hope because he's been exalted. Not me, not you, Jesus. Because he deserves it. And we looked at Hebrews 1 for that. Um, and, and, you know, and this week we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, but the gospel truth is that we find ultimate life-changing love in Jesus. That's the gospel truth. But we don't truly remember that all the time. Or we don't believe it all the time. I mean, how many of you are like me where you, you, you get stuck in, in, in self-doubt? Or, or you, you, you get stuck in guilt? Or you get stuck in um, just the day-to-day? and you get Busyness. That's a big one, right? We just get stuck in busyness. And, and all the things we're doing that we don't take that time as we were meant to do to really focus on the love of Christ. And, and, and the peace that he wants to bring into our life. That ultimate love. I believe, personally... And and just looking at the scriptures, that if we truly grasped the love of God for us, and in turn, the the, the love that God has for the other, the world would be changed around us because of how we respond to that love. And so that's what we want to look at today. Because a majority of the people, and maybe you're like, like the majority of people, maybe you're like me, we travel around, oh, grease my knees and fleece my bees, right? I'm looking for my missing piece. I'm looking for my missing piece. And many of you get, get stuck just putting everything else in there, and, and it just doesn't quite fit. And sometimes you think you find that perfect piece, but then you, even that perfect piece to us doesn't seem so perfect because we can't do this now, and we can't do that now. And we miss out. And we're worn out. So my hope is today, if we're looking at the take-home truth and it's in your bulletin, is that we don't want to miss out on the love that Jesus brings. So if you could do me a favor, let's we stand up in church, if this is your first time, we, we stand up to, for the reading of God's Word. Now, if you can't stand up, you don't have to. I'm not forcing anybody. Um, but just out of respect and reverence for God's Word, we like to stand for the reading of that. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 18 today. So... Hold on, to your, hold on to your hats. we got a long one. For this reason, he's, uh, the author of Hebrews says this, For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression 
and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking, but one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him or or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we do see him who has made for a little while lower than the angels, namely, Jesus. Because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom all are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing you your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God had given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Verse 16, For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abram. Therefore, He had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Okay, you may be seated. I know that's a lot. (laughs) You're like, wow, are we going to go through everything? Yes. I hope you're not hungry. We'll be here for three hours. Um, no, we're not going to go through every, every part. Um, but I, I wanted to read that in its entirety because it's, sometimes we do that with Scripture. We'll just take out a chunk here or a chunk there and, and, and we forget its context. And really the context that the, that the author is starting from is that first chapter which is all about the, that, that, that Christ is our hope. He, he's come and he is perfect. He is God. He is the one we are all looking for. We are all missing him. And we need him. And that's okay. We are broken. We're not complete. There is a brokenness in this world. And there's a brokenness in you and there's a brokenness in me. And so we we want to look with the author as he just lifts up Jesus and says here. And then he and then he goes on to say in chapter two, therefore. And what's interesting is he starts off with this. He says, We must pay 
much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. And the reason I use this translation, I don't always use the NASB um, in, in the service, but the New York American Standard Bible has a really good translation. It's, it's very word to word. And, and that word that it's used is drift is, is pe'areo or pe'areo. And what pe'areo is interesting, what, what it does is it literally means to, to drift by, to float by, to... Um, to neglect over time. If the best understanding I got from this was good old J. Vernon McGee. Have you guys ever heard of J. Vernon McGee? May God richly bless you, my brothers. He was a great Southern Baptist preacher way back when. And anyway, he, he, said, he said this about this, this, this text in his commentary. He said it's like the, the man or the woman that's in a nice little rowboat and it's a beautiful day and they're in that rowboat and the sun just kind of overwhelms them. Maybe they've had a big meal beforehand and they just get in that boat and they're just drifting down the stream and everything's good. Have you ever done that in, a, in like a river area or a, or a lake area? Just sat on a boat and just kind of, the waves just kind of rock you a little bit and it's, you know, you just kind of fall asleep or so. Anyway, and he says... This, per, this person, as they're, as they're going down the stream, is very good, but they don't realize that, that, that they're on the stream and at the end is Niagara Falls. And, and, and that's what this word really is talking about, is we get to this place where we drift and, and we forget that there is an impending coming day. That there is an impending thing that's going to happen. And that stream goes somewhere. And, and, and as we travel and as we put those pieces, as we just drift by, we can miss it. And the author of Hebrews wants us to take pause to see the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done so that we might follow him. Because the love of God should transform us. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to go through a couple things that love that's being pointed out here in this scripture. Because it's not your standard kind of touchy-feely type of love. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but, but God has this ultimate love that is so much more, um, so much more enduring and so much more uh, um, infinite. First point is love explores for ways to respond today. Love explores for ways to respond today. I've talked with many people, and I myself included because I talk to myself because I'm crazy, but, um, uh, and, and they, like me, have drifted by have not taken careful attention of things in their life. And, and they've found that, well, they got to a point where they're like, how did I get here? Um, I, you know, I've gotten that way with, with relationships in my life. I was just reminded recently, I should, you know, I, when's the last time I called my brother or my sister? I, I don't remember. And, and, and of course I don't have the greatest relationship with them because I've just been drifting by and I forget. And I think many of you can I relate to that. I've been privileged to be married for 16 years now. But I think we can all admit that marriage is the most difficult institution we shall ever undertake. Amen. It just is. Because first of all, your, your spouse is the one that holds up that big mirror and says, that's what you really look like, you turkey. <laughs> you know? you're, not the, you're not the person you really think you are. There's that idea of walking away like Charlie Brown, you know, in marriage, because you just really see who you are. You just do. And marriage is difficult. But there's that idea of we can just drift by, and I've spoken to many people who in their marriage, they love each other, but they become roommates instead of the beloveds. I think that can happen. It happens very easily. And so we know that in marriage, we need to be persistent. We need to treat it with the utmost respect. 
Maybe you've watched your friends slowly going through changes in their life for the worse and you're scared for them and you know you should say something but you don't know what to do and you feel ill-equipped to do it or to help and so you just keep drifting all the while your friend is almost to the point of no return at the waterfall. So our relationship with God always requires us to follow. Always requires us to follow. Not drift. One of the greatest books written is the Pilgrim's Progress. And where the pilgrim truly gets suffers. It's a great book if you've ever read it. It used to be number two to the Bible for 350 years. And there was a reason for that. Pilgrim's Progress is a great book written by John Bunyan in the 1500s when he was in prison. Um, wrongly accused. And as a Christian, he's just sitting in prison. But, he, but the, the most interesting thing that happens to pilgrim is he suffers the most when he stops by the side of the road because the sun is warm and the grass is green and the breeze is blowing and he falls asleep. He drifts by. He doesn't pay careful attention. You see, Jesus wants us to follow him. Follow. See, where we go where he goes. We do what he does. We love whom he loves. See, we explore for ways to respond as he did. Jesus will never send you somewhere where he hasn't gone. And we forget that sometimes. <laughs> Maybe you're like me and you, you, all right, God, but you need, and we remind God sometimes, right? You ever been there? Okay, God, I know you're telling me to do this, but you need to take care of me. As if he was like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Thanks for reminding me. I forgot I was going to go with you. No. <laughs> See, the re- reality is he's already there and he says, hey, come on. And most of the time when we pray, we say, Lord, follow me because <laughs> I need to go here and I want this job there and I've got this relationship here and I've got, you know, and we do this. But God is saying, hey, follow me. Follow me. Verse 10 of Hebrews says this, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things. Jesus is it. He's the encompassing factor here. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. See, the word for author is leader. Follow the leader. It's a simple aspect in the Greek of, he's the first one. He's the trailblazer. He's the one with machete in the jungle. You want to follow that guy because he's cutting the road down. And if you've ever been to the jungle, that stuff grows back quick. And if you lose track of him, you're, you're in the jungle and you're, you're done. You're getting attacked by boars and you've got a jaguar hunting you. and you know, It gets tough. So you don't want to lose track of the author, the leader, following the leader. We must not forget that Christmas is a time to remember that God entered into our existence 2,000 years ago so that we could follow him. This is the core of Christianity. Again, if you're taking notes, following Jesus who loved you and me so much that he came to us, drew near to you and me and says, follow me. Do what I do. But the, 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 the problem happens is maybe you're like me and you just get caught up. You get caught up in the currents of morality, of who's right and who's wrong. I was a big fan of talk radio for a long time and I, I just be honest, I, I, I get caught up a lot of times in politics and everything and, and they're right and they're wrong and, and you get all worked up and, and the reality is it just comes down to, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm a stranger and alien here. This isn't my home. I want to know what's going on but this is affecting me. This is working in me. I, I'm, I'm following this political party or I'm, 
I'm following this philosophy or I'm following this culture and I need to sit down and check myself and remember. And this is that time of pause and we say, am I following Jesus, the one that loved me and gave his life for me? See, we're so quick to judge and convict others that we forget to explore for ways to respond in love to those who are broken around us. Well, if I were to say, how do we respond in love? The interesting word that's used here is, um, is suffering. Because we see this in the scripture when it says, to, the, to perfect the author in verse 10 of their salvation through what? It could have been many things. Through, through teachings, through reading the word, through prayer, through doing this or doing that. No, through sufferings, the author says. That word sufferings is interesting. It's pathema. And patima is, is just a really simple, simple word for suffering. But it's not a suffering that just you get hit with. Like you wake up, some of you have been sick, right? This last couple uh, weeks, maybe a month, some of you have been sick and you wake up and you're like, oh, and you suffer. But it was just this random kind of, it just hits you, you know? That's not the suffering he's talking about. This is a purposeful entering into suffering with a point and a purpose. Because when we respond in action and follow Jesus because of his love, we will suffer as he suffered. Um, now, this word for pathema is an interesting word, and I just I want to hit it a little more. We get this, by the way, because after the holidays, many of you are going to be like me, and you're going to walk around a little bit slower, and you're going to go like this. Oh, I'm drifting by. Because I'm a couple pounds heavier. The eggnog, the feast, the smorgasbords, you name it. They've hit you, huh? You know what I'm talking about. And before you know it, you're headed for the waterfall of I need to diet. So what we do is we willfully, en- we willfully enter into pathema, into suffering. Why? To shed the pounds that we drifted by getting. Yes, I'll have one more piece of cake. Yes, I'll have one more piece of pie. What? That's my seventh? Who are you? Leave me to my pie. I want my pie. But the truth is, we got to go to Pathema. We go to the suffering and we go, I got to wake up early and I need to ride my bike. Because you love waking up early and you love running? No. But because you know you need to diet and exercise. And the truth, this is the truth of life. This idea of suffering, of what Jesus entered into and says, this is love. This is something we are all familiar and we just understand. Any of you ever tried to ski or snowboard? Your tailbone is mad at you for a good reason. Because you keep falling on it. But you go through pathema, you go through the suffering to get to the point where you don't look like a a nerd or a turd on the the slope. You're riding down, you're going, yeah, that's right. I suffered and I'm better now for it. (laughs) Ha ha, all you people who fall down. Oh, I was there where you were. I suffered, but now I'm better. But you go through it. Again, marriage. If you want a good marriage, you've got to work for it. You've got to have the selfless time and hard work. and you, you, You've got to go through that time. It's not easy. Nobody just is good at it. If we want to be the best at our job, we need to pathema, we need to suffer by working longer and harder than anyone else. This is the, this is the truth. This is suffering. And this leads us to that second truth of love. And how we respond. See, love embraces the suffering in a broken world. 
It doesn't just look to respond. It, it, it embraces in a broken world. This is what Jesus did for us. This is how love responds. To embrace is this interesting word. It means to give. And can I just say that the concept of giving is actually really simple, but we get this messed up all the time. A lot of times what we do is we give because it's easy. But this type of giving, true giving, true embracing, means we give and it hurts us. See, real biblical giving means, ouch, when I give to you, this hurt me. This was hard. This was difficult. See, the Son of God came to give his life. And he didn't do that easily. He sweat blood, people. He suffered. Why? For the joy that was laid before him, as it says in the book of Hebrews. And who was the joy that was laid before him? You and me. And the people out there, he did it for you and me. And he gave. For God so loved the world, right? That he gave. He embraced and gave. His one and only son. The truth is, we live in a world that tries to avoid suffering. Maybe you're like me. This is why so many New Year's resolutions don't last. <laughs> yes, I'm going to diet. I'm going to go on it. Yep, yep. What did I say? Oh, I was crazy. I was delusional. It was the turkey talking. We don't want to do it. Because we've got to give up. We don't want pain. See, the truth is that we have a God who sent his son to embrace the broken and suffered so that we might be free. This is love. This is the concept. This is what we want to look at. It not only looks to respond, it embraces. It embraces the broken. In my own life, I did a lot of stupid things. I know I'm different. You've never done anything stupid. I get it. That's why I'm up here and you're not, because I'm the idiot. But, bottom line, I've done a lot of dumb things. I've had my share of stupid things that I've done. And the big reason I found that I did it is because I was greasing my knees and fleecing my bees looking for my missing piece. I was looking for love. And to quote the famous philosopher, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> looking for love. I did whatever I did needed to do to avoid the pain, avoid the... I mean, I, 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 drugs, alcohol, fights, relationships. I mean, you name it, I did it because I didn't want... I didn't want to turn to, to the suffering servant and deal with the brokenness in my own life. I was avoiding the suffering servant Jesus because I was afraid of my own brokenness. I was listening to a woman the other day who was giving a eulogy and it was a beautiful thing and I talked to her afterwards and it was just awesome because here she was. She said, I didn't come to Jesus until I was 39 years old and the reason I didn't is because I was angry. I was mad. My father had been taken from me when I was six years old, and I was mad. Now, that was her story. But she had to deal with it. That was the brokenness she had in her life. She said, I did a lot of dumb things. I did a lot of stupid things. I went to a lot of things because I was greasing my knees and fleecing my bees looking for my missing piece. I wanted love, and I couldn't get it. And finally, at 39, I said, Lord, I'm broken for a reason, and I need to deal with it. That's why you were broken for me. Because Jesus doesn't just say, ship, ship up, shape up or ship out. Sorry, messed that one up. But shape, shape up or ship out. Get right or get out. He doesn't say that. He comes and he's broken for us. That's love. Giving up, embracing. All of us need to face the truth of our brokenness and the love that is missing in our life. Jesus didn't avoid the pain. He knew what it was like to live in a broken world. And I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but he knew what it was to have indigestion. 
No other God in the history of the annals of God knows what it is to actually physically go through indigestion. Come on. That's, if that doesn't say love, I don't know what does. He probably had pimples. What God would get pimples for us just to understand? I used to teach junior hires and half of them smelled so bad and the other half, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I looked out and I just remember the one day I looked out and I said, man, Jesus was like one of you. He was going through puberty. Oy vey! What is God, Mashuga? But he did it. Why? Why? He did it to know, to embrace. He knows what it is to get sick. He knows what it is to feel neglected and rejected, to be betrayed and left alone, to die with no one there, to feel extreme physical, mental, and spiritual anguish. He knows. He knows. No other history of religion in all of history, nothing says this. Nothing. Nothing comes close. This is real Christianity. It doesn't walk away from the broken world. It embraces the brokenness. Lastly, love enters into our world through us. It doesn't just embrace. It enters in. And it's through you and me. See, Jesus can truly look into our eyes and say, I get it. I know. No other God. Nothing before or after. I love verse 14. It says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, you and I, children, flesh and blood, broken people, he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power over death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery in their lives. He became like us to free us. Jesus entered into the world to save us. So as not to be slaves to fear and the devil anymore. That's why we live a life of love. That's why we look to respond and enter in and embrace the world around us. Embracing those who need to see it and entering into the lives. But the truth is that many of us are still carrying around a lot of pain. Maybe, just like you and me, we, I, I think we're there. We carry around a lot of pain, don't we? Jesus doesn't say suck it up and ignore it. He calls you to get real and face it. See, he enters in so that we might partner with him in this broken world around us with our own hurts. See, that was the time that I really, really had to get right with God when I had to embrace my own, my own junk. Some of you have told me, oh, you're such an honest guy when you get up there. You know why? Because I wasn't before. I used to think you had to be perfect to be the person that God would use. No. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to know the perfect one. And can I say that's love? Because it's so hard. Let me tell you. Let me, let me tell you what I struggle with. I struggle with loving myself. And I don't know if you're like me, but I don't like myself sometimes. And then, that translates to those people around me. Well, that guy's a jerk. Well, that girl smells. And we do that, don't we? Because instead of giving up my life, as Jesus calls me to, and to truly understand and embrace and, and enter in, I don't grasp love. It's the missing piece of this world, people. Jesus is calling you to get real. See, maybe 
your abuse that you endured for so many years and have been suffering with for so long can be that missing piece of love that others need to see that have suffered as well. What was crazy is I came from a broken home. I came, I had, I suffered with addiction for a long time and wouldn't you know it? It was almost like God said, I got a plan for that. Don't ignore it. Now you go and talk to these people. By the way, this person suffers with addiction. By the way, this person suffered with a broken home. By the way, this person, oh, it's like God, you meant for me to deal with this, to give it to you so that I can now enter into their life. That's love. Not hiding it. Not running from it, but being used by the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, to embrace those around you. I've talked with people who make a lot of money, and I've talked with people who have no money, and guess what? They suffer too. They're broken. See, your struggle that you're ashamed of and have drifted and rolled past with for so long can be the missing piece of love with those neighbors that you know are struggling with the same thing. Your struggle with fear and anxiety for the future has been like a low-grade fever throughout the years to the point that you almost haven't gotten used to it, or you almost got used to it, and you know that Jesus wants you free from the slavery of it and has people in your life right now that could benefit from you entering in and loving them as Jesus loved you. I've said it before and I'll say it again and I need to shut up now and I will, but just give me a second. (laughs) Jesus never saved us just to sit. He always ties loving Him with loving others. My hope for you in this little church is that you don't just receive the love of Christ, but you give the love of Christ. That you don't just take and this time to sit and ponder and say, you know what, God's good, amen, and walk away. No, you, you say, God is good, God is love. Now how can I enter in and embrace and share that love with my neighbors? How can I share that love with my coworkers? How can I share that love with the guy outside that I see all the time that's walking by and has nothing? How do I do that? How can I respond? Maybe you're new to this whole thing and you really didn't know that Jesus loves you. That Jesus didn't come to condemn you. But to die for you. Jesus is calling you to get real and get into that relationship with Him. My hope is that in this Advent time, that you would come to the table as Jesus sat on the other side and said, Here, partake. That's what it's about. As He gave, we can give. And I know some of you, you've got great orthodoxy, but your orthopraxy stinks. (laughs) You know what's right, but you don't practice it. Guilty. I'm there. So my hope for you is that you would let the love of God come in and through you and work in and through you to the world around you. We don't want to miss. We don't want to miss on the love that Jesus brings. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. God, you're so good. <laughs> I forget it all the time. You know, Lord, I, I sat back there as the worship was playing, and oh, such good worship. I love it. I love what we have here, Lord. I love this church, and I love it. And I feel so inadequate. I just do. 
Because the, the devil just loves to remind me of how broken I am, of how much I screw up here and don't do that there. And Thank you that it's not about me. <laughs> thank you. For it is by grace we are saved. The gift of God. Jesus Christ. Thank you. Lord, I know there are people here that struggle. They struggle in relationships. They struggle at work. They struggle with marriages. They struggle, they struggle, they struggle. And we forget to pause and remember that you struggled and suffered so that we might have hope and love. Lord, I pray if there are people here that need healing, that need help, that they would stick around. We can have a time of prayer. And they would give their brokenness to the one who was broken for us. Your son, Jesus. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name.